You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 3-1 pitch, swing and a drive. Deep to right field, way up there, way out of here. Goodbye, baseball. Eight strikeouts for the King tonight and make it... 23 consecutive scoreless innings for Phoenix. Strike three called on the outside corner, and there it is. It's time for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Kyle Seager, that just happened. Thank you very much. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. All right, welcome back. Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Gary Hill here. Thanks for being here once again. At Mariners Pod on Twitter. What a win it was last night for the Mariners as they take game three of the four-game series against the Boston Red Sox. Pitching has been the name of the game for the Mariners against the Red Sox this season, which is really impressive. They lead the world in runs scored. It's not real close. They have absolutely battered teams this year. But you look at it, and The Red Sox are scoring just over three runs a game against the Mariners, 3.2 runs per game. They're averaging nearly six against everyone else, 5.7 to be exact, but nearly double the runs scored against other teams than they're scoring against the Mariners. Hasashi Iwakuma, the story last night, so we'll get to that. We have the highlights coming from the game last night. Really well-pitched ball game. The Mariners have won two games in a row, coming off the Cano Thriller. The Diaz save. He saved another one last night as the Mariners went 3-1. to one. Also, Brandon Liebhaber, Jackson General's voice, will visit. He has some very interesting things to say about a couple players in Jackson that we'll be keeping a close eye on. Also, David Ortiz playing his last series in Seattle. Aaron Goldsmith, a chance to catch up with Big Poppy. So we'll hear from him in just a few minutes as well. So... Another big podcast. Thanks for being here once again. And as always, thanks for your listenership, your feedback, your questions, everything else, the interaction. I love it as always. And again, thank you for all the feedback and the ratings on iTunes. Again, I mentioned this once in a while, but it helps us very much. So thank you for everything you do and thanks for listening. So the Mariners taking on the Red Sox, and it was evident early on that Iwakuma was very, very sharp. And again, the 2-2 pitch, swing and a miss, and a high fastball for strike three, and that is strikeout number three already for Hisashi Iwakuma, one away for the Red Sox here in the top of the second as Kuma gets big poppy. He was rolling along. Porcello, though, for Boston, very good as well. The Mariners would get him a couple of times, and the first time in the second inning, another long ball, and this one was crushed. Next off on the way, swing and a drive. Deep to left field, going and going. It's in the upper deck. Goodbye baseball, and it got out of here in a hurry. Nelson Cruz with his 27th home run of the year, and I'm telling you, It was a missile back into the upper deck to the right of the Edgar sign. It was just launched. And then we had the defensive play of the game, and it was made by Rick Riss. Here comes the 0-2. 
Swinging it's off the hands, right back in line with us. Coming to Rick, coming to Rick, and Rick makes the catch! Oh my goodness. That kind of hurt a little bit. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I'm going to give this to my grandson. Yes! Yeah, thank you, Nori. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's awesome. The defensive play of the night belongs to Rick Riz. <laughs> That's fantastic. So the Mariners leading one nothing in the sixth inning, and they would go deep again. Mike Zanino this time launching one. The pitch. Swing of this is lifted out towards center field. It's got some lift. It's got some carry. Bradley is looking. He's looking, and it's gone. Zanino has homered in back-to-back games. The Mariners have two hits tonight. They have both been massive solo home runs. First, Nelson Cruz. Now, Mike Zanino, and it's 2-0 Mariners. Mike Zanino would mix in another hit as well. He has 10 hits since being recalled in 12 games. Five of them are home runs. Three of them are doubles. He's also walked five times, batting 286 so far in his recall, 390 on base percentage, and hitting with four some serious power as he launches one there to give the Mariners a 2-0 lead, and they would add another long ball in the seventh. The 2-0 toss. Lynn swings, hits his high towards right field and towards the corner by the pole. Betts is looking, and this is gone. The Mariners have homered for the third time. They have three hits. They've all been solo homers, and they've all come at the expense of Rick Porcello. It's 3-0 Mariners in the bottom of the seventh. And Edwin Diaz comes on to close things down in the ninth inning, a 3-0 lead. The Mariners almost had... Uh, if it wasn't for the Zanino base hit, they almost had all their hits home runs. They've won two games in their history with every hit being a home run. One of them this year. Remember the game they won one nothing, and just had the solo home run? They also won a game in 86 where they hit two home runs and had two hits. They almost did the same thing last night, but Zanino mixed in another hit. So three runs, four hits for the Mariners in the game but three of them home runs. So Diaz comes on to try and close this down, and it started out great. The 0-2 pitch, fastball, swing, and a miss at 100. A fastball at 100 miles an hour. He strikes out big poppy David Ortiz. One away for Boston here in the top of the ninth inning, and Edwin Diaz throwing a laser right past David Ortiz for the first out in the ninth. So great start. He strikes out David Ortiz, but then Bradley would single and then a hit by pitch and then Hill, a wild pitch. So he moves to second and Bradley to third. Shaw grounds out, so he gets another out, a run scored. But then before any more damage is done, Diaz, he gets his second major league save. The set by Diaz and the 3-1 pitch, swinging a ground ball to Cano in right field. Sliding stop, he's got it, gets up, throws the first in time to get Leone, and the ball game is over. The Mariners win it 3-1 over the Boston Red Sox tonight here at Safeco Field. And again, pitching the name of the game as the Mariners scatter seven hits. Iwakuma seven and a third. Five hits, no runs, seven strikeouts, and no walks on 97 pitches. His ERA has now ducked below four, 3.99. Store in two-thirds of an inning, one hit, no runs. Diaz, one inning, one hit, one run. 
no walks, one strikeout on 17 pitches, his second save. That's a nice win for the Mariners, 3-1 to one over the Red Sox. Should be noted, too, David Ortiz 0-4 in the game with two strikeouts. He has gone 0-4 twice in this series. Keep in mind, against the Mariners, the last time he went 0-4, or last time he didn't reach base with at least four at-bats, in a ball game was 2011 and it's happened twice in this series so credit Mariners pitching so far as they've taken two of three so far against the Red Sox here's what Scott Service said after the ball game pitching now <laughs> yeah it's uh, really uh, been talking about it for a while it's it's you know, our starting pitching will uh, take us as far as we can go and and Kuma was outstanding tonight. Might have been his, uh, one of his best outings of the year. Um, after you know a rough one in Chicago, he really uh, struggled in Wrigley Field the other day, and uh, we got him out of there early and hoping he would bounce back, and, and he certainly did. So it's great to see. Probably the Christmas fastball he's had, um, and, and the secondary stuff was was right there with it. So uh, uh, great outing by him. Really the story of the game, and you know we hit a few homers again tonight. So uh, uh, good ball game. Good ball game all around. He hit 97 after the single. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, was my thought. I think, you know, uh, his track record, you know, it's it's that 93 to 98 kind of, that's kind of his, his spot in there pitch-wise where he's really most effective after that. It does die off a little bit. And, you know, we had rested bullpen, um, you know, and, you know, when the bat uh, ball went off of Bogart's bat, <laughs> we've certainly seen that one uh, go out of the park here a couple times this year, but tonight it didn't. And, uh you know, got through it, and um, you know, Delia's uh, not quite as sharp tonight, but you know, he got the, the final three outs. Was there a thought about going with Tom instead of Edwin there in the ninth, just because of his workload the last? No, not tonight. Going into the game, we thought, you know, if we needed a, uh, we had the lead, and we needed a, to, to save in the ninth. He was going to go out there, uh, you know, probably evaluate tomorrow, and uh, maybe give him a breather tomorrow. So, you know, when the game's there to be won, um, looking at the middle of their lineup coming up. Uh, we we all felt very confident uh, that was Diaz's spot. He didn't do much against Porcello, but he left the yard. Yeah, Porcello's had a great year, um, and really uh, mixing in all of his pitches, pitches up in the zone uh, more than he used to. Uh, very effective tonight. Uh, you know, he made a couple mistakes, and you know we got we got on him. Uh, you know, Nelly and and uh, you know big big night by Zanino. Uh, you know that is big time power to go out of the park that 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 spot there, um, and. You know, another good at bat after that. So, uh, really like uh, where Mike's at right now. Um, the confidence is growing, and that's what we tried to create this year: is to get him back in a good spot mentally and physically. And, and I like where he's at right now. What are you seeing in his at bats? What is the market? You know, there's no panic. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, and seeing. You know, I haven't seen Mike a lot before this year, but uh, even in spring training, you know, when he'd get down in the count, there would be that panic. You know, and then start swinging at balls that you know he really couldn't hit, and we don't see that. You know, and he's struck out a few times here, but the at bats have been very, very good. They're very competitive. Um, he's laying off some tough pitches, and you know, when he gets a pitch to hit, he's putting a good swing on it. Defensively, in the nine, Edwin threw some that he really got. Yeah, yeah. No, you got to be on your toes when Edwin's out there. Obviously, the stuff is really, really crisp, sharp, and and uh, Mike did a good job corralling uh, those balls best he could. But, uh, you know, uh, Edwin got a little bit out of sync tonight. You can kind of see he was rushing a little bit. And uh, it's 22 years old. I think all everybody needs to keep that in mind. There's going to be nights where it's going to be awesome, and there's going to be nights that, you know, it isn't going to be quite as sharp. But because he's got the stuff, you know, you don't have to be quite as sharp, and you can still got a chance to get through it. 
And then back to Zanino for a second. The power has been great. The home runs have been awesome. But I go back to the other night, that late game plate appearance against Craig Kimbrell, and he drew the walk on a, some nasty pitches. I mean, that's the kind of plate appearance that I think is really eye-opening. You love the power, but boy, a plate appearance like that, what a great sign moving forward. Mike Zanino playing so well right now. Here's what he had to say after the ball game. Coma today, I mean, this, the skipper said this is probably his best outing out there today. What would you see from him? Yeah, I thought his command was great, and uh, he was able to command all of his pitches, but mixed speeds also. Uh, he had a great curveball today. He was able to throw um, a variation of a cutter sort of in on the lefty's hands today, and then was able to back for that slider too. So it was enough to sort of keep those lefties, give me that ease, and then use the split when he needed to. Where'd this cutter come from? He threw it some last year, and uh, he's becoming more comfortable with it. So it's one of those things where it's just he, he uses it when he feels feels good with it, and uh, today was one of those nights. He was kind of more up and down today. Was that part of game plan? Yeah, I think he's got such great carry on his four seam, so to be able to set that up and the split down is a great combo. That first strike out of Ortiz, 90 miles upstairs. Yeah, he definitely went to go get a little extra there, but uh, I mean, he's got that extra ride, and I mean, he's always in the zone so much, so when he can you mean, expand the zone that way, um, it's huge for him. You're a bats, too. I mean, the first at bat, a lot of pitches, the second was that pay off for you? Yeah, yeah, it's obviously nice to have a, a long first at bat to see what he has, and I was just able to get a, a good sinker uh, that stayed over the middle of the plate, and I was able to use the big part of the field with it. What did you see from Diaz the kind of third time through for him? Uh, I thought he, he settled in nice again. I mean, it's one of those, I mean, he, he, it's going to be a learning process. I mean, back-to-back save opportunities against a really good club with, with a lot of fans here in Seattle. So, uh, it, you mean, there's a lot of emotions there, and I think he's going to find out what works for him. Is that kind of more of that? We saw the command a little bit, particularly with the slider. Do you, do you think it was just kind of slowing things down at that point for him? Yeah, yeah, he, he's he's working quick, and he's got a quick wind-up. So it's one of those things, you I mean, he's got to slow down and trust his stuff. Give you a little workout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a little bit quicker, too, when it's 98. There it is. And I imagine Edwin Diaz will probably be down tonight. So we'll see if there's a safe situation, which direction the Mariners will go. That'll be interesting to watch. And the Mariners obviously hope they are in another safe situation. Taking out the Red Sox, trying to win the series tonight. Drew Pomerantz will go for the Red Sox. An all-star for San Diego this year. Was outstanding for the Padres in 17 starts, a 2.47 ERA, fanned 115 in 102 innings. He was dynamite for the Red Sox. He has struggled in three starts, 0-2, a 7.53 ERA, 15 punchouts in 14 and a third innings, but a lot of hits to go along with that. 18 hits along the way. He's given up four long balls. The Mariners, of course, familiar with him. He pitched in Oakland the last couple of seasons, both out of the bullpen and as a starter. So another lefty on the hill. And the Mariners have played long ball with lefties quite a bit this year. So we'll see if they can continue that home run trend. Meanwhile, a Mariners debut coming up tonight. Miranda going to take the ball for the first time. Here's what Jerry Depoto has to say about the Mariners starter. Miranda has topped out as high as 96 miles an hour. Average velocities in the around around the 92 mile an hour range, which for a lefty's firm and and a real good changeup, four pitch guy has thrown strikes. And I don't know that outside of the velocity and the changeup, there's a special trait. But he's 27 years old, a Cuban defector who signed prior to 2015. He made the proper progression, and I do think if if we turn him loose in a bullpen role, we'll see you know some velocity maybe toward the higher end, like we saw here. He was 93, 95 in June. 
or let him start and continue to do the things he's doing. You know, he threw uh, seven shutout innings Friday night for the Orioles Triple A club, and, and we'll see where we go from here with Ariel. He has pitched at the big league level once, made an appearance against the Mariners in a Baltimore uniform. His first inning, he came in in relief in the sixth and didn't give up anything. And then in the seventh inning, the Mariners got to him a little bit. Seager doubled. Lind doubled to score a couple of runs. Cruz with a ground rule double before that. And Cano a single before that. So he gave up four hits in a row and then replaced. But he'll start for the Mariners tonight against the Red Sox as the Mariners look to take the series against Boston. And the Mariners last night, they knocked Boston out of the second slot in the wild card chase. Looking at the standings now, the Red Sox are now out of the wild card picture. Toronto has the first wild card slot. Detroit has nestled into the second slot. They've won eight games in a row. The Mariners will see the Tigers coming up after the Angels this weekend. Then it's Boston, it's Houston. They've lost two in a row. And the Mariners. Now, the M's just a game and a half back of the Astros and now four games back of the Red Sox. They have passed the Yankees ahead of the White Sox now firmly. So trying to climb the ladder a little bit as we look at the wild card standings. All right, Big Poppy playing his last game in Seattle now tonight. Aaron Goldsmith, a chance to catch up with David Ortiz. David, you are turning in what is looking like an absolutely historic final season to your very storied career. What has this final year been like for you so far? A little basic, you know. Uh, kind of busy, yeah, but, you know, trying to get through the flow and trying to get things done. Bogarts, Bradley, Betts, so much youth with the Red Sox now, and you are certainly one of the best examples that they all can follow. Who was the player when you were young that you learned the most from? I pretty much um, was like in a spawn, you know. I was I was just asking questions and going around doing my search. And it was a lot of guys out there that they pretty much were happy to see me as a younger player, uh, as a young player, you know, asking questions and trying to figure things out. You know, I, I, I asked questions to Carlos Delgado, Giambi, Paul O'Neill, um, Mo Vaughn. Manny, Manny was one of my biggest mentors when it comes down to hitting. And uh, definitely Pedro Martinez was one of those guys who uh, uh, take me under his win and, uh, and, and teach me how to do a lot of things the right way. You've won three World Series. You're a World Series MVP. You are one of the great postseason hitters in the history of baseball. What is it about the month of October and beyond that makes you an even better hitter than you already are? I don't know. I think October is the one month of the season that not too many people get to be part of. And you don't want to waste it. That's the way I look at it. I don't like to waste it. I like, I, you know, I have been blessed and able to go home, you know, every time I walk into a World Series, go home as a winner, then that's that's all it matters. You know, I mean, a lot of people, you know, they look at going to the World Series, oh, I was there. No, I don't want to be just there. I want to win. So, you know, I... I, I had the ability to take things to the next level and and I guess that's something that uh, you don't get everywhere. Where'd the nickname Big Poppy come from? It was just uh, I w- I'm, I'm pretty bad remembering people's name because I get to know too many people, so many people you know and and I uh, I used to call everybody Poppy <laughs> <laughs> so 
they big popping me back. <laughs> <laughs> but the first one that came out and say and, and uh, call me big poppy was uh, uh, Jay Remy, and uh, he said and uh, he's one of the broadcasters and uh, uh, he said and that was it. That was the stamp. You've won the Edgar Martinez Award for the most outstanding designated hitter, more than any other hitter of all time. You've won it seven times. What is it about Edgar that you admire the most? Because you played against Edgar. Edgar was a really good hitter and a really good right-handed hitter, a guy that uh, was able to hit for average. He was able to uh, hit for power. You know, it was it was something that uh, it was very special. I kind of uh, um, got to see him play for a few years even through um, being on his prime still, and it was, it was very special. Finally, David, what do you think you'll miss the most? My teammates. I think, uh, you know, I always have a great time. You know, we began to be a, a family here. Um, we kind of, um, this is like a second home when we are in a clubhouse. And... Uh, Sometimes, you know, you're going through some struggle mentally at home or whatever. When you get here and you start, you know, putting up with your second family, things kind of start going away. And and that has been my whole career, you know. And I have a great relationship with pretty much everybody around the league. And I always take my time to give the younger kids advice and because I love doing it, you know. But uh, all I care about is the game getting better. And, and that's how the game gets better when when you spread out the experience that you have with the younger players and, and, and they put it in play and they see the result. So, better way to say it, later on you see those, those younger players using it with the, with the next generation coming up and, and that's how the game began to, began to be successful through the years. So, that's something that I never get tired of it and that's, that's pretty much most of the things that I'm gonna miss about the game. David, thank you for your time and congratulations on an absolutely sensational career. Thank you. And now one of our favorites, a chance to catch up with the voice of the Jackson Generals, Brandon Liebhaber. Well, Brandon, the first half was spectacular, uh, winning the first half by, what, 10 games. And despite some talent losses, which is the way things go, obviously, when players play really well, and that's been the case with Jackson, so many guys have played well. Despite that, right in the mix in the second half of the season as well, playing good baseball, what have you seen from Jackson in the second half of the season? Uh, I've seen, uh, as you said, some really good baseball. It was it was slow to start for sure. The Generals, as you mentioned, I mean, won the first half by 10 games, kind of running away. And then, you know, there are some losses uh, that certainly took a lot out of the team. Uh, DJ Peterson really performed well uh, through much of June. Now he's in AAA, Guillermo Heredia. The Generals started 12-13 and 13 in the second half, but now teams won 7 of 8. Um, and it's just up and down, really, the lineup and the pitching staff we've gotten a lot of really good contributions. There are a lot of really solid players. Obviously, you know, there are names like Tyler O'Neill that really stick out, you know, in terms of big prospects. But there are a lot of really solid guys here that could contribute at higher levels. And that, I think, is the team's biggest strength. While they've lost some prospects and some recognizable names, there's really no one on this team who hasn't done at least something to contribute to some of these victories in the second half. You mentioned Heredia, who just made his Major League debut. What did you see? What kind of player is Heredia? Heredia, well, first of all, he's a lot of fun. Uh, he was, even without much English, he is one of the funniest guys uh, in the clubhouse. He always 
kept things lively uh, and just really had no issues with the transition, which oftentimes can be tough when you're coming from Cuba to the States. Uh, on the field, he's a really interesting player um, and one that certainly I think fits into what Jerry DePoto and co are trying to do in the front office. He had more walks than strikeouts uh, with the Generals, which really jumped out. And there were a lot of question marks about his bat and how rusty he would be. I mean, he played one game in 2014 and missed the rest of the season in Cuba due to injury. Didn't play at all last year because he defected. And there was, I mean, absolutely no rust whatsoever. I'm almost positive it was our second game of the year. He had a grand slam. Uh, and all of a sudden I realized that we've got a good player uh, on our hands and someone who could be a spark plug. And it took, it took the generals, I think a while to recover because he was either batting first or third for the team, but he's a player who gets on base. He goes all out. He can cover a ton of ground in center field. What's interesting is that the glove got so much acclaim coming from Cuba and not that he wasn't excellent defensively here, but I didn't see him really make any crazy diving catches. And part of the reason is because he's so fast that he just gets under everything. There are balls that, I was sure we're going to be hitting the gap, and all of a sudden he was just drifting under them uh, and making plays. So he provides so much. Uh, he's got a lot of tools, uh, more pop at the plate than I expected, and then the on-base skills obviously are there, uh, and he's got some speed as well. So he does a little bit of everything, uh, and really I think the term spark plug, which I used before, is a really good way to describe what he's capable of doing. And you know, one of many, I think, almost underrated signings by DePoto. You look at, you know, all the all the trades and some of the, you know, more noteworthy moves that, that the new front office made in the offseason. But guys like Guillermo Heredia that, you know, on the outside just looked like improvements on the fringes have turned out to really uh, pay off in spades. So Heredia is a guy that I think can contribute. It depends on, you know, what the Mariners wind up doing in their outfield. But he's a guy who certainly has the tools to contribute in a lot of ways. Tell us about Tyler O'Neill. The numbers jump off the page. Uh, <laughs> I, we see tweets from you every once in a while talking about a long, <laughs> long O'Neill home run. What has it been like to watch him on a daily basis? It, it's crazy. I mean, he is uh, he's something else. And his work ethic has really, I think, helped fuel uh, what he's done this year. Because last year he was a guy who had 32 homers, but there was a lot of yeah, but. Uh, yeah, but he did it in the Cal League, which obviously is very hitter-friendly, even though it's in Bakersfield. And he hit, you know, something around 260, uh, struck out a bunch. Still strikes out a lot, but this year, I mean, he's a 300 hitter. Um, he's been above 300 pretty much all season long. Everything just jumps off his bat, uh, even if it's not a home run. Um, he's been good in right field defensively, has a good arm, but he uh, is really just kind of out to prove that, and I think this year, that he's more than just a power hitter. And you see that now with some of these midseason prospect rankings that finally have given him his due as one of the top 100 prospects in the game, depending on you know where you look. And he obviously played in the Futures game. Uh, in San Diego, but, you know, and, and I always say you really can't comprehend O'Neill's power until you see it in person. He has hit, you know, more than his fair share of home runs where I just don't know how to call it because I'm, you know, spending half the flight of the ball just watching it go and in all myself. And uh, I have to keep myself from becoming a spectator because he definitely does not get cheated. He doesn't hit any wall scrapers. I mean, when, when he gets a hold of one, uh, he hit some, I mean, they are high, deep, majestic shots, and, and it's a lot of fun to watch him take BP, but it's just fun to watch him work. I mean, he is, uh, he, he, like I said, I mean, he definitely didn't just, you know, start hitting home runs overnight. I mean, you can tell by looking at him, he clearly hits the gym and he clearly works uh, his butt off on the field. And so being around him and someone who's so serious and so poised at the age of 21, making him the youngest guy on this team, he only just turned 21. 
uh, that's what really impresses me because he has clearly put the effort in to become, you know, more than, than just a footnote uh, in terms of scouts' eyes this year. Last time we spoke, we talked a lot about Edwin Diaz because he had just Mm -hmm. uh, been turned into a reliever and he had a handful of uh, relief appearances under his belt. And you were glowing about how good he looked. He has been amazing. Nothing short of sensational at the major league level so far. When you look at this current Jackson team, not that they'll make that kind of impact because uh, Diaz is setting records for what he's doing in terms of strikeouts, but who do you see that will make an impact, you think, in the near future at the big league level? There are definitely a couple of guys that, that I see doing that. I mean, one guy who actually profiles very similar to Diaz that I think uh, Mariners fans should really keep an eye on, a right-handed pitcher by the name of Dan Altavilla. Incidentally, he's the guy now who's closing for the team uh, now that Diaz is gone and uh, Emilio Pagan and Craig Sitton are both in AAA. Altavilla had not started a single game as a pro prior to this season, but Mariners liked that he had a big arm, uh, and they moved him to the bullpen, similar to Diaz. Uh, you know, Diaz obviously took to the role immediately. Altavilla started slow, but recently he has been, I mean, almost unhittable. Uh, ERA of two. He's got 53 strikeouts in 45 innings so far. Fastballs getting up to 97, 98. He's a, a big, stocky right-hander, uh, listed at 5'11", 215. I always kind of say he's built like a middle linebacker. He went to a D2 school, Mercyhurst in Pennsylvania. He's from outside of Pittsburgh, not a guy that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have heard of, but uh, he's a guy because he's a reliever and he throws hard and especially as much turnover as we've seen in the pen this year. Uh, Altaville is a guy that I certainly think could have a, a pretty – quick impact at some point in the near future, um, you know, not necessarily to the level of Edwin Diaz, but he has been uh, a remarkably consistent and he has stuff that, that really plays. Um, and I'm very impressed with the development that, that he's undergone this year, going from, you know, starting to relieving and just taking to that role well. And he's a guy who I'm just never nervous when we've got a small lead uh, at the end of a ball game, which has happened a lot this year because he has been fantastic. So that's someone that I certainly think that, uh, that fans of the Mariners should look out for uh, is Dan Altavilla. Speaking of Diaz, and I know you have a ton of work day-to-day with Jackson, obviously, but how much do you enjoy watching a guy like Diaz who you watch developed in front of your eyes to have this much success at the big league level? It's really unique. I mean, I I honestly got goosebumps uh, watching his big league debut just because when you have a guy who's called up straight from, you know, the affiliate you work with, and, you know, I've seen him for the better part of the last two seasons. He was promoted so early in 2015 from high. It was just crazy, you know, knowing that I had, you know, seen that guy at lunch a couple days ago in Knoxville, (laughs) and all of a sudden uh, he's in Seattle throwing 100 miles an hour. Oh, what's crazy to me, you know, we talk about, you know, Altavilla, and he's, uh, you know, taking a little bit longer to adjust that bullpen role. With Diaz, it was just almost instantaneous. I mean, he just had a handful of relief appearances uh, in Jackson. And one of the things that really stuck out to me, he only hit 100 one time with us out of the bullpen. That was his final outing. And I guess that's when, you know, the front office decided that they'd seen enough and that he was ready to make it. <laughs> to the majors. Um, so to see that development continue at the major league level has been, you know, uh, remarkable. I mean, the strides that he's taken in such a short period of time to go from being, you know, the top starter in the organization to all, all of a sudden you're a reliever. And, you know, for that to happen so quickly has been wild. But getting to watch him pitch on TV now, it still is almost a surreal experience because, you know, I got to watch him pitch 
the better part of two seasons, saw some ups and downs, and then saw him just light the world on fire as a reliever. But it's a really unique experience when it's a guy who you've seen put in the work and get to see on a daily basis, and then you see him rewarded in the show. It's still weird to me when I see, you know, the Mariners or, you know, whoever tweet about Edwin Diaz because, you know, I still feel like he's our Edwin Diaz, and <laughs> now I guess he's kind of the world's Edwin Diaz. Yeah, I mean – you look at the – he had a big spread on him in the Wall Street Journal the other day. I mean, he's really mm-hmm. – uh, what he's doing has been amazing. And, I mean, the strikeout rate, he's got the highest strikeouts per nine ever with uh, pitchers. Which is insane. Uh, at least – yeah, it really is. I mean, his – and it, it was fun to talk to you about him and kind of get the preview uh, with him and to watch him come up and just take the baseball world by storm has been so much fun to watch. He, he really is something else. I mean, just the tools he has um, is just really remarkable to see it happen so quickly, too. I mean, I had a feeling, you know, when I talked, I saw him out of the bullpen. I said, all right, the Mariners have something here. But the fact that it's happened so quickly, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's made a handful of big league appearances. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, I'm lost for words because I thought he'd be good, but I didn't think, and I don't think anyone did, that he would just come out and absolutely eviscerate major league hitters straight from double a and that's you know not something that the mariners usually do uh this was the first time i believe since 2010 that the mariners had called someone straight up from double a with tacoma being so close by it just makes too much sense for guys to go there first get their feet wet face some triple a opponents and then go to the big so for him to go straight from double a and to do what he's doing uh after i mean i think it was 11 relief appearances in double a and 11 career um it's it's just wild i mean i thought that he'd be good and i thought he had a shot to be a late inning arm that gets a lot of outs and potentially a closer later on in his career but to see it happen this fast is almost uh you know impossible to describe especially you know i mean this has all happened in far less time than i saw him pitch you know as a starter really in you know a year and a half uh, essentially in double a and so it's uh almost indescribable to watch uh, how quickly the ascent has been for edwin diaz well, Brandon, it was so fun to catch up once again. Thanks for taking the time. We'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll do it soon. Good luck to the boys up there, but thanks as always for having me on, Gary. Really appreciate it. See you later!